0: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School.
1: This is Work and Life on Business Radio.
0: Welcome to
1: Work and Life, a conversation in which we explore everything related to work and the rest of your life, your family, your community, our broken society that is so in need of healing, and your private self, your mind, body, and spirit. I am your host. Stu Friedman, I am the founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project, the Wharton Leadership Program, and a management consulting and training company called Total Leadership. My most recent book is called Parents Who Lead, just out a couple of months ago, early 2020, and you can find out about it at totalleadership.org. New episodes of our show premiere Thursdays at 5 p.m. Eastern here on SiriusXM channel 132, and then they are repeated throughout the week. And then you can find them at workandlifepodcast.com as edited free podcasts. You can follow us on SXM Business on Twitter, and I'm at Stu Friedman. My guest today is an expert on leadership and he's the former ceo of a fortune 500 company but his path to the top wasn't easy wasn't straightforward in fact he was fired in his 30s and it was only then that he began to think about what he really wanted and who he was he realized he wasn't being true to himself as happens to many people at around that turning point in life He's now retired, sort of, kind of, not really. Uh, He's put all the lessons that he's learned over the course of his really inspiring career uh, into a book that he hopes and that I am certain will help you to realize your full potential as a leader and as a contributing member of our society, which needs you, yes, you, to lead all of us have to lead in these troubled times, rooted in who we really are and what our values are and what we hold true and and to do the work of healing. I am thrilled to welcome Doug Conan back to the program. Doug is a former president and CEO of the Campbell Soup Company and his book, which I commend to you without reservation and full confidence that it's going to be immediately useful for you. It's called The Blueprint. That's it. The blueprint: six practical steps to lift your leadership to new heights. Doug, welcome back to work and life.
0: You know, it's great to be back here, Stu. It's uh, un- un- under these unusual circumstances. I used to be able to just walk over to the studio. Yep. My office is at Twenty First and Market in Philly, and not in Philly. And now we're a, a half a continent away from each other. But anyway. <laughs> It's good to
1: be back. It's great to have you here. Before we get into it, let me just tell you a little bit more about Doug. He began his career as an entry-level marketing assistant at General Mills. He held leadership positions in marketing and strategy at Kraft before becoming CEO and president of Campbell Soup Company, which is, I think, what brought him to the Philadelphia area. Uh, During his career, he also served as president of Nabisco Foods Company and chairman of Avon Products. Over the course of his 10 years as CEO at Campbell Soup. Employee engagement skyrocketed from being among the worst in the Fortune 500 to being world-class, as measured by Gallup. And after retiring from Campbell Soup Company, he felt compelled to contribute further and founded Conant Leadership, which is a mission-driven community of leaders and learners championing leadership that works. He takes no salary as CEO of Conant Leadership and all the profits – uh, are donated to charitable uh, organizations. We're going to be talking about that um, to help support the kind of leadership that can move our society forward. Doug, it's great to have you back here. You are the first person to three on this show. So I can think of no better person to have as a thrice appearing person uh, on our show, which is now in our seventh year. So thank you again for making time. For me and our listeners. Um, in, in addition to everything I've told you by way of this introduction uh, to Doug's background, he's, he's been an outstanding guest speaker in my and other classrooms. Students are riveted by this, his stories, his his helpful attitude, and his capacity to reflect on his experience and draw useful practical lessons from it. That's what makes him so especially valuable he really is the embodiment of what i've been teaching about in my total leadership classes for decades now you got to know yourself you got to share your vision your values your authentic your true self and connect with people and then take small steps to make things better for them and for you as you move together to a better tomorrow his his book touch points another bestseller um is is a, is a wonderful starting point to get into his work, Doug. Today, we're we're talking now. It's June 2020, uh, in the first part of of this month, and so many business leaders, world leaders, everyday people, all of us are facing a world we've never known and could not predict. Uh, f- fully, uh, the, the health crisis, which has precipitated an economic, an, an economic crisis, and now due in large measure to long-standing inequities in our society, we're confronting demonstrations in the streets. Our country is aflame as we speak. What can we do as leaders in our world? And that, that's the question that I want to start with. Uh, I, because I can think of no one better to provide a thoughtful and compassionate response to that question than you, Doug, based on your you know, wealth of experience and the reflection and hard work you've done to, to glean useful insights about how you've gotten to where you are in your role in society. What is it that, that we can do as leaders now to help our employees, our colleagues, our customers, our friends, our our neighbors, our communities, our families, ourselves. Where do we start?
0: Uh, and you'd like all that in 25 words or less?
1: <laughs> Doug, you've written your own biography. You've written numerous books that articulate your insights well. I know that's a big, complex question, but you know, listeners are hungry. For some practical insights, and you're the man uh, uh, who can bring it. So, yes, not 25 words or less, but no. let's 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 see where we can begin at least that that yeah. part of the conversation. I,
0: I, I've I've been I've been uh, up to my neck in this uh, the entire over my last over the last decade really since I retired. Mm -hmm. Uh, rolling around in these kinds of issues and these kinds of questions with thought leaders from business, academia, federal government, and with everyday citizens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, uh, you know, I'm going to start with something Stephen Covey once said. He said, Doug, you cannot talk your way out of a problem you behaved your way into. You have to behave your way out of it. And our country has behaved its way into a difficult situation Mm -hmm. where we have a free society that is feeling threatened and constrained. And uh, it's through arguably decades of behavior. Now, not to excuse what's going on today, because I view all that's going on today and all that's gone on over the last four years, uh, at least, as sort of an accelerant on top of societal divides and anxieties that have been present for decades, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have behaved our way into a tough situation, and certainly we can't talk our way out of it. We can start with rhetoric that starts to frame what we're facing, but I think we have to approach this whole thing. I'm waving my arms already. Stu, Stu, you've got me going. They can't (laughs) see it, but you can.
1: I, I uh, could see it, and, and I, uh, we need your passion and your insight here. So keep going. But,
0: but we've behaved our way into this thing. We have to go into it with a mindset that we have to behave our way out of it. So it, it requires action and behavior, not just rhetoric. Mm-hmm. We've got to get past the rhetoric. Rhetoric is where we have to start so people know where we're coming from. And, and so there's, cl- there's in, improved clarity of understanding. But ultimately, we have to move to action. And uh, what I've observed is that organizations are are stuck in these old paradigms, and they are over and they are highly reactive paradigms. They're basically reacting to what's coming at them and trying to protect the status quo. And uh, and and that is clearly, to me, inadequate at this point in time.
1: But it's understandable, right, that people would want to hold on to the world that they know. That's, that's what we tend to do, right? It's, there's uh, a lot and, of inertia.
0: And, and leaders or parents, you know, you want to hold on to your family. You want to hold on to your community. You want to save what's best and then address what needs to be addressed. But you tend to want to put your arms around it. And leaders in charge of organizations or teams, are, are their, their job is to protect that living organism. That's their job, and mm. to make it better. Yes. And so, so uh, we're sort of stuck in an old paradigm. We have to move to new paradigms, and people are overwhelmed. You know, you remember Warren Bennis. You and I are old enough to remember this. In 1987, he coined the phrase "VUCA world." 1987, a volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world, and that was in 1987. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. 33 years later, and we are a VUCA ro- world on steroids.
1: Yeah, we sure
0: And people are overwhelmed. Pe- where do we begin? How do we start to talk about this? Yes. And and, and so they're overwhelmed. And I'm going to come back to a Stephen Covey concept that's going to get at the heart of this, your question, I think. And Stephen Covey, you know, we have the three circles. Your circle of concern, which is everything you're worried about in the world. Your circle of influence, which are the things you have influence over. And your circle of control, the things you have absolute control over. Mm -hmm. What's happened in this VUCA world is that our circle of concern, the things we can't control, has exploded. Okay, Our circle of influence feels as if relatively it's diminished because we can't impact anything.
1: Or so and, our circle,
0: and our circle of control feels as if it's shrinking too because we're adopting this sea of victims what do you want me to do what can i do other than get angry and 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 make statements
1: or be afraid and retreat into my own world and, or, and become know, depressed and anxious and fearful of taking action which is happening in in uh in epi- you know, and it's another kind of epidemic, uh, you know, beyond the coronavirus is the, the mental health, you know, uh, problems associated with this sense of helplessness.
0: Oh, I was on a podcast the other day with Harold Koplovitz, uh, who's the founder of the Child Mind Institute in New York City. And, Her- and you know, Her- you and Harold are right on, on the spot. He's, he's saying that this, people are, are retreating in because they can't deal with what's outside. Yeah. No, they need to. And so their stress levels are going up.
1: Yep. 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 uh,
0: My, my answer to this is, I think we have to fully explore this circle of concern and we have to have our eyes wide open and our hearts Mm. and our minds. Mm. But then I, for me, what I find helpful is, okay, now how can I, take those concerns and go into my circle of influence, what do I have influence over?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then what actions within my circle of control, which is in the bullseye, these are three concentric circles.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, in, what actions can I take that I can control that will influence people that I can influence mm-hmm. uh, that will uh, begin to address the things I'm most anxious about? And we find that people, as they start taking actions, small. Yes. And start having the conversation with their children and their neighbors. And they, their neighborhood decides to lean into something to address the situation in that neighborhood. All of a sudden, they're moving from reactive to proactive. They're addressing their larger concerns in a way that they can get their arms around and, and 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 begin to see the fruits of their labor start to make a better world in that little corner of the world.
1: Yeah, I think that's I one think of the reasons why we're it. seeing so many people take to the streets now. It, I think just, so, but it just, then
0: what, they've got to, you know, they have to ask themselves, so what, now what am I going to do? I've taken to the streets, I've made my point, now what? And 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 it can't stop there. Uh that's helpful but insufficient in my opinion
1: well it's 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 helping i think a lot of young people feel like they are taking action within their sphere of yeah. control that enables them to raise their voice raise their resistance to to the, the the way things are and to to push things forward and to educate i think that's that's a large part of what yeah. uh, people are feeling good about and taking collective action along the lines that that you're 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 giving in this example. Let me remind listeners, this is Work and Life on Business Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. We're talking to Doug Conant, one of the great reflective practitioners of our day. Uh, He's the founder and CEO of Conant Leadership, and he's the author of a wonderful new book, which I commend to you. It's called The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights, So what is it that you can't control that you want to influence that affects in some way, something that's, that's a concern to you. Um, you know, this being stuck in the status quo, where, where, where do you help people begin to figure out what it is that they can do?
0: Well, you know, I, I wrote the blueprint to try and help people navigate difficult situations. And, uh, but you know they're in the thick of it right now, and you know they're not going to go through and do your total leadership course or my blueprint uh program in order to get ready to start to contribute again. I would highly recommend that they did if there were two books they should pursue those are the two books here here, uh, but uh you know this we're in the here and now and, yes uh, uh I do think they need. I have a favorite quote from Brene Brown, who I know you admire as well as I do. Uh, she really speaks to uh, being comfortable with being vulnerable mm-hmm. and 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 using that to help summon your strength to deal with things. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has this, uh, to me, it's a brilliant quote, brilliant quote, where she says, um, you can either walk inside your story and own it or you can walk outside of your story and hustle for your worthiness every day. And I got to tell you, for the first 30 years of my life, I was hustling for my worthiness. I was trying to be somebody that my parents wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. My teachers wanted me to be. I was an oldest. So I was playing up to that in that range. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I was trying to be the executive I thought the executives wanted me to be until I was fired and we may get into that may not but I I think you've got to sort of summon your strength and get into who you really want to be in order to be able to stand up in the face of all that's coming at you and be well anchored you can't I think the total leadership work you did or and the blueprint work I do those kinds of things can be very helpful. But in the here and now, here's my trick. In a half an hour, I can help these. I can help anyone uh, become more proactive in a way that they're going to feel good about. And what I have them do, this comes out of uh, something I created a while ago called the Entourage of Excellence. And uh, it's basically I have I have them think about people. In this case, let's take three people. Think about three people who have had a profound influence on you in your life. Profound influence. And uh, think of one person from your family, one person from your work history, and one one historical figure. And that's where we begin. The Entourage of Excellence says build a whole entourage of these people and carry them with you. Mm -hmm. But in this case, let's just take those three. If you think about them, they, I guarantee you, whoever thinks about them says, you know, they had high standards for me. They held me to a high standard, mm-hmm. and you know what? They also cared deeply about me. Mm-hmm. So they were my language. They were tough-minded on standards and tender-hearted with people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that approach had a profound influence on me in my life, and. In one way or another, I am carrying those lessons with me as I show up today.
1: Now, you had the benefit of uh, an outplacement counselor who forced you to write your autobiography and then to come at you to say, Doug, this is bullshit. I don't see this person. Uh, How come there's the person you're writing about who you actually are and this other person who you're pretending to be? You you had the, the gift of someone who could look you in the eye and say you know there's a disconnect here help you
0: understand that right he's Uh, part of my entourage but just to complete the what i tell people is if nothing else on monday morning you could go be like the people ah. that had a profound influence on you those three people go on monday morning go be more like that with the people with whom you live and work Mm -hmm. and you will have more impact Mm -hmm. just draw on your own life experience People who had a profound influence on you, were tough-minded on standards, tender-hearted with you, and had a huge impact on you. Mm-hmm. Just go be more like them with the people mm-hmm. with whom you live and work. Hmm. And I have, we, I have yet to run into a person that hasn't been able to draw something from that and yeah. show up on Monday in a more, in, in a more compelling way.
1: Well, you become more conscious of, of who you want to be and, and how you want to show up in the relationships that matter. And just taking that time to reflect on you know, the aspiration that you've got for your own life and leadership, that in itself, of course, opens up pathways of possibilities.
0: It does, and it's something you can contemplate for a half hour and, mm-hmm. and go to a better place. It's part of what we do in The Blueprint, but it, it, mm-hmm. it really can have impact in a short period of time. I can you know, see that. It... Neil McKenna, my outplacement counselor, is one of those people in my entourage. Mm -hmm. But so is my mother. Mm -hmm. So is my wife. Mm -hmm. So are lots of other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, people who, you know, they somehow, and we talked about this on an earlier show, when I did Touch Points, the first book, Mm -hmm. these people said just the right thing in just the right (laughs) way at just the right time. And I heard it. And I carry it with me today.
1: And, and you know the part people. I want to underscore about what you said here is that they cared about you. Yeah. And and you know why did they care about you? Do you think what like what is it that there's a mystery there? Uh, and I wonder what your thoughts are about like Neil. Why did he take that time? Was it just because he was getting paid to be your outplacement counselor, or was there something more? Uh, you. Know,
0: well, one one of the yeah, Stu, that's a good point. One of the ten tenets of I believe in the second half of the book I talk about. It's we call it the manifesto. Yes,
1: ten, I want to get to that.
0: Ten, ten tenets that uh, uh, that I subscribe to uh, for the leadership in the twenty first century. One of them is bringing a how can I help mentality to every engagement, every interaction, and uh, and in fact. That's what Neil McKenna did, and that's what I have strived to do in every interaction since I met Neil McKenna. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were the four words, how can I help, that those were the words that I carry with me from my knowing Neil. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think the key for leaders uh, in the family or mm-hmm. more broadly Mm -hmm. is is to bring a servant leadership mindset. How can I help to the relationship? Because this leadership, you're on sacred ground. You're having a profound influence on the people that you're working with. They're they're waking up in the morning thinking about what they have to do to work when they get to work. They go to work all day, whether it's at home or in the office. They work all day. They're juggling other things, but they're at work. It's top of mind. They go home, hopefully have dinner with their family. Then they put the kids to bed and if they have kids, put the dogs in the other room if they have dogs and then they go back and get on email and do more work and then they go to sleep and then they get up and go do it again. 250 days a year at least and they they are living and breathing this work and you're their leader. That is sacred ground. You have, are having a, a huge influence on that and you need to treat it as if wow, this is important stuff. And it's not just to get ahead. It's not just to make a buck. I'm having a profound influence on these people. I treat this as sacred ground. They should treat it as sacred ground. And they have to show up in a way that engages these people. It is
1: a sacrosanct responsibility. And yet, you know, people have difficulty. I think one of the hardest sort of uh, areas of growth uh, in 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 becoming a leader is, is to break through the selfishness that you naturally feel like, yes, but I need this and I want this and I've got to have, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, recognition, <laughs> material gain, uh, whatever it is that drives you. And you know the, the leap, as I like to call it, the leadership leap, to be able to see yourself through the eyes of, and the hearts and minds of other people and to put your focus on what you can be doing to help them, you know, those four simple words are excellent, I think, as a way to ground you in that challenge, but it's hard. And it's, for many people, just not natural until it becomes a, a reinforced habit. So how do you help people break through that sense of, yeah, but what about me?
0: Well, who, whoever said leadership was easy? I mean, <laughs> you know, look, you know, we, we, we we're there's a world of criticism around the president of the United States for not leading effectively. Look, I grew up in a family of four boys. My family could not agree on anything or get anything done together. You know, four right. boys. And, and with, with autocratic leadership in the household, we still couldn't get anything done. This is hard work. This leadership is hard work. Nobody's saying it's easy. I would say, pragmatically, if you want to get the best out of people, you know, you know you've heard me say this, uh, you have to win in the workplace before you can win in the marketplace. If you want people to care about your agenda as a leader, you damn well better care about their agenda as people because ultimately, they have to represent you when you're not in the room. Yes. They have to have your back when you're not in the room.
1: Doug, we have to take a short break here, but uh, you're staying with us, I'm I'm glad to know, and uh, folks, don't go away. When we come back, I'm gonna continue my conversation with Doug Conan. we're gonna be talking about his book, The Blueprint and the lessons that it has for us in our troubled world today for all of us as leaders. I'm Stu Friedman. You're listening to Work and Life on Business Radio Sirius XM 132. Stay with us. We will be right back. You're listening to Work and Life on Business Radio. Welcome back to Work and Life. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. I'm the founding director of Wharton's Work Life Integration Project, the Wharton Leadership Program, and a company called Total Leadership, where you can learn more at totalleadership.org about what we do with individuals and organizations around the world. My guest today is Doug Conant, the former CEO of Campbell Soup Company, who now runs an organization called Conant Leadership, doing amazing work in the world. We're talking to Doug about his new book, The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights. So, Doug, you were saying you grew up... Four boys, autocratic household, never agreed on anything. What did that teach you?
0: Well, it taught me that leadership was hard work, <laughs> and 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 nothing I've encountered since then has suggested it was easy. Yeah. And as all of a sudden you're herding cats across the around the globe, uh, in an increasingly diverse workforce with six different generations represented, improving gender trends improving ethnicity trends, highly competitive activity, in large part uh, influenced by our tech- leaps in technology. Uh, it, it, it's, it's tough to, to find a path mm-hmm. that will uh, lead an organization to higher ground and get everybody on the same page.
1: But the answer starts from within you, right? As, as you write about so cogently here and elsewhere, your, your life story is your leadership story. How did you figure that out for yourself? It's, a, it's an idea that I, too, believe in and, and try to bring to life in my work with students and clients. What, what was the, the insight for you where you realized, ah, it's really the same story?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I was trying to please people for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I care what people think, but I wasn't paying attention to what I thought. And uh, sufficiently. And so uh, I, uh, when I was was fired from a job at the age of uh, 32, I was driving to work one day. And uh, I went into the office. I'd worked for this company for nine years in a couple locations. And the receptionist sent me up to the uh, senior vice president's office. And he said, Doug, your position's been eliminated. You need to be out of here by noon. And that was nine years of my career that was over in a snap. I had to go home and tell my wife, my two small children, and our dogs and cats in the household that I wouldn't be going back to work the next day.
1: What did the cats say? The,
0: cat, the, the <laughs> cats paid me no attention. Not that they ever did. But, the, uh, but it, was, it was a rock. You know, it was, in my lifetime, from right. a career perspective, it was the most uh, traumatic experience I've ever experienced. I mm-hmm. had a large mortgage. Mm-hmm. We had just moved to the Boston area. Uh it was uh it was, it was incredibly traumatic. Mm-hmm. It was a crucible moment. They sent me to an outplacement counselor. The outplacement counselor, the first thing he did, Neil McKenna, Doug, I want you to handwrite me your life story. Mm-hmm. Everything. He said, I want to see everything. And so I took two weeks, I handwrote it, and in the meantime I was having some sessions with him, and then he read the story which uh, I'm I'm probably was 40 pages, 50 pages handwritten. Uh, He wanted as much as I could remember or wanted to put in there. And uh, he read it all. And he said, look, I've been talking to you for about a month. I've read your life story. Doug, these things just don't match up. You're not the person I read about and the person I'm talking to are not the person that's showing up at work. What a gift he gave you, right? Yeah. Yeah. To be able and to reflect you know, that
1: back to you, that that disconnect.
0: Yeah, and he was he was a tough son of a gun. So he, I mean, he had been left for dead in the Argonne Forest in the war, wow. and World survived. World war II. Yeah, and survived, and uh, he, he was tough. But he he's, he was he needed to get through to me, and he did. Scared the shit out of me, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said you're going to be a horrible interview. You're what trying was, to what man- was
1: what was scary? What was it that terrified uh, you about his probably, approach?
0: He, he saw me. He was probably the first person that really saw me.
1: Mm. Uh
0: from what I'd written. I mean, he he was he I went to places when I was handwriting this thing that I'd never gone to with anybody including myself.
1: So were there aspects of what you, he saw that
0: that you didn't like? that were fearful, like, oh, wow, that's me? Well, I was being tentative. I, I wasn't, uh, I, I, I had strong points of view on things and I wasn't expressing them mm. uh, for fear of rejection mm. or, uh, or, being, or not being viewed as being competent. It was easier to keep my mouth shut and, and listen. Right. And, uh, and I realized that's, I have, I have points of view here. I need to stand up and be counted. I'm not saying that this happened overnight. No, of course said, not. I'm still working on it.
1: You're probably still working on it. That, yeah, yes, I was yeah. about to say.
0: I'm only, I'm only 69. I plan to live to 120, so I've got 51 more years.
1: Oh, yeah? Good but,
0: luck with that. Uh, at, at any rate, uh, it was this, I sort of, the emperor had no clothes, Stu, with, with this guy. The emperor had no clothes. You were
1: naked you before them. him, and so you were yeah. revealed.
0: Yeah, and... Ah! Yeah, but, you know, they they also say uh, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. Somebody else could have a, appeared at another time, and I wouldn't have been ready for it. Yeah. So I was getting along. Yeah. But I wasn't getting along. Now yeah, you were I, ready. I had the crucible moment. But what I learned was that, uh, that, using the Brene Brown language, I needed to walk inside my story and own it. Mm-hmm. And I learned that I had been trying to hustle for my worthiness with everybody for 32 years. And it was time for me to start taking more. So, okay.
1: so how would you advise listeners to to affect that sort of breakthrough for themselves if that's something they're interested in pursuing?
0: Well, in, in the book, I touch on it. There's, mm. there's a simple process, but I, I won't get to belabor it. But I think and, and you do this in, in your mm-hmm. uh, parenting book, your last book. Mm-hmm. I think you have to start with a sense of purpose. Why am I choosing to lead? Why am I doing this? And you have to roll around in that. And the one thing you have to know is whatever you decide on won't be right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because and it, you don't strive for perfection. You just try and make make a move forward. Mm-hmm. How am I doing this? And then you have to, I argue, reflect on your life story and mm-hmm. learn from it. Like I did in that when I hand wrote it, we go through prompts for that. Then you have to study the world around you and leveraging those three steps envision, vision, reflect, study. Then you have to build a plan, a plan for your leadership. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to me in the business world, we have plans for everything. You talk to a leader about, well, what's your plan for leading? Uh, well, you know, I don't know. I just do it. I'm good at it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and most leaders, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Most leaders lead by the seat of their pants. Yeah. And, 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 And in today's VUCA world, that's not good enough. I'm talking to CEOs. I talked to 50 CEOs over the weekend because everybody was scrambling on how to uh, respond to the George Floyd incident and what they wanted to say. And it was astounding to me how many CEOs are brilliant at reacting to things. They've they've got a model. The way they lead is by reacting. And they're Mm -hmm. really good at it in their sector. Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. what
0: happens is when you have something as large as a pandemic or social unrest, there's no you don't know how you've never reacted to something like this before. So you don't know how to do it. Right. They're just overwhelmed. Their circle of concern is so big and they don't know how to get at it.
1: So how would you help them?
0: Well, we, we said, what's your mission? What's your purpose? What's your company's purpose?
1: Oh, let me ask my HR guy. He knows.
0: No, no, no. The CEOs do know. They just need to help. They need you to help connect the dots.
1: To translate it, yeah.
0: They yeah. they know their purpose. Where do I go? Well, you go to your purpose. You go to your core beliefs about leadership, the values mm-hmm. of your enterprise. Mm-hmm. And you have those. And then you start to use that framework yes. to craft a position for how you want to stand in the midst of all this. Yes. But it needs to be purpose-driven.
1: Absolutely.
0: And And so that's where... I take people, you have to have purpose, then you have to build a plan. But you got to get anchored in your purpose and what you stand for before you can have a plan.
1: That's where it begins and ends, right?
0: Right, but leaders need a plan. They cannot do this by the seat of their family. Of course. Too complicated.
1: So how do you help people now envision a better tomorrow? What what methods are most applicable to, to the present moment?
0: Well, and obviously, who knows, right? But I have a point of view, uh, often, often wrong, never uncertain anymore. Uh, but first of all, you have to acknowledge everybody is depleted by this experience. The, 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 the health risk, the economic risk, the social uh, injustice that's uh, been foisted upon this country, uh, everybody's depleted. You know, in old Stephen Covey language, the emotional bank account is in the red. There's not a lot coming in. There's a lot going out. We're all just depleted. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the way you you, you start at this is you craft, a, uh, you look at what you're worried about. You craft a plan that you can actually do, which is what the CEOs are doing with their companies now. And then you take small steps.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know all the work that's been done recently, last decades, stu, really, on habits. James Clear, B.J. Fogg out at Stanford, Dr. Robert Maurer at UCLA. They say the way to 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 change things is in small increments that you can control. Yes, right, things that you can control. And so what I urge people to do is is find a way for you to address your circle of concern or your company? Mm-hmm. What can you influence? What actions can you take to start proactively addressing the situation? And then you take action after action after action that's addressing your purpose, honoring your values, respecting your people. Mm-hmm. And you it's one step at a time. One, one
1: small time. step.
0: I, I just don't – there are no – in my, in my way of thinking, there's no big step that's going to change the world. You can't talk your way out of something you're going into. you got to behave it, in it one step at a time.
1: Absolutely. Uh, let me remind listeners, this is Work and Life on Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. This is Stu Friedman, your host. I'm speaking with Doug Conant, who's the author most recently of The Blueprint, Six Practical Steps to Lift Your Leadership to New Heights. Yes, yes, small wins uh, is a model for organizational change that's been around and it's, uh, it's essential to the work that I do in total leadership where we have people design experiments that are intended to make things better at work, at home, in the community and for themselves. And everybody does something different and it's within their control. So what might be easy for you to do might be really hard for me to do and vice versa. And I think that's, uh, you know, we, we are in many ways, uh, brothers in arms here, Doug, speaking a lot of the same language where, you know, the notion is every, everyone's got a different leadership challenge. They're living in a different sphere, a different world, and has different capabilities and assets. And, but all of us can take some small step in a direction that matters. And that, that really is a, a palliative for this sense of depletion that you speak so eloquently about.
0: Well, we get energy when we start taking to make things better. And you make a great point, Stu. Uh, All the leadership work I've done, no two leaders are alike. Right. You know, this book, The Blueprint, is, is helping people create their own leadership models informed by their own history, their own study, their own situation, their own aspirations. I've helped now thousands of people build leadership models. No two have been the same. Right. No two.
1: Because no two lives are the same, yeah,
0: right? And so, they. I think, and that's where you get the. That's where your reservoir of energy will come from, because mm-hmm. you're addressing your life, yes. your way, with things that you can control, that are addressing things that you're concerned about.
1: Yes, it's really your blueprint, yeah, right? Yeah, I it's, mean, absolutely. It's a model that helps you to discover your own your own foundation, uh, and and to and to move it. Now, a lot of people re- reject or are afraid of reflection. We've talked a little bit about this. I want to stay on it because it's such a common challenge for, for so many folks, particularly those who are, like, technically, you know, trained or, you know, don't have any sort of uh, behavioral science in their background. Go, I don't have time for reflection. I'm a, I'm a person of action. But reflection is essential. So what do you do to help people get past the, any resistance they might feel to doing the hard work of what might seem like a soft task. And that is to reflect on who you are, who the, who, what you stand for, who the people are that matter to you.
0: Hey, uh, well, there's a logic line to this that says, look, leadership is all about people. And that my definition of leadership is the art and science of influencing others. Mm -hmm. So it's not about you. It's about how you influence others. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other human beings. And, and so you say, well, how is this task-focused man of action, woman of action, how is that working for you? And almost to a person, well, it could be better. Right. Because they're not paying attention to the, to the humanity that they're leading. They're paying attention to the tasks, right? And, 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 and that has diminishing returns. It can get you to a certain level. But then when you have to manage more people, and more tasks than you have the capacity to manage yourself, uh, you're, you're at risk. So, you know, this is just logical. you got to manage people. You're not managing tasks. You have to manage people, and, peop- and everybody's human. So this notion is important. But then you can say, all of these people, I've dealt with some really task-focused people. They all have a life story. Of course. They all have been influenced by somebody.
1: And they've oh, been hurt. They've been injured. They've they've felt disappointment and tragedy and sorrow in their lives. Everyone has. No one gets out of this thing alive.
0: Oh, that's absolutely right. But so they all – they get it. They really do get it. But you have to give them – another big part of the blueprint is the change process has to nest perfectly in your cockamamie life. If I'm very task-focused –
1: By cockamamie life, you mean what
0: exactly? I mean my – out of control life. My okay. trying to get a sip of water out of the fire hydrant of life. I want to do better, but I have no time,
1: especially now.
0: Well, it was bad before; it's worse now. Exactly. So they they say so. Any change process you want to introduce, uh, the old change processes that you and I experienced in at the end of uh, in the '90s and at the turn of the twentieth twenty first century. You take time, you would go out to the mountains of Utah, you contemplate your life. And mm. pe- people don't feel they have the capacity to do that anymore. No way. I would argue they, they probably don't. So the process has to honor the chaos of their life. And then they have to be able to approach it in small, bite-sized ways. Yes. And so to get them to reflect, you have to create a path to bite-sized reflection. Yes. When when I did the, uh, when I wrote my story, 50 pages, handwritten in two weeks, we pulled all the stuff that was relevant from that and put it into a couple pages of a workbook and said, here is the essence of this. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about, at most, 10 lessons you've learned in your life. And all you got to do, and give me a half hour. Yep. Yep. And all you got to do is get them started on this journey, and they see, wow, you know, my grandfather had a profound influence on me. Mm-hmm. Wow, this one boss actually listened mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe I could be a little more grandfatherly and a little better listener and be more effective because all we really do is say, be more like them with the people with whom you live and work in mm-hmm. a way that makes sense to you in mm-hmm. your situation. Mm-hmm. And I have not found a task-oriented person who couldn't engage in that conversation. As long as we made the task, we made it a task for the task-focused person. Here's your task. We're yeah. going to reflect on your life for a half hour. Do these 10 things. Okay, you're done. Now, what does that tell you? Now, how, Now, the next task is, how are you going to leverage that? in the way you walk in the world, the way you choose to walk in the world. You just got to size it down, scale it down to a place where they can engage in it. Yes. I found Once they engage in it, it's pretty, it, it gives them energy. You know, I'm getting stuff from this. This is my life story. You know, there are lessons here. And we find more often than not that they stay there and they learn more as they reflect.
1: And perhaps they discover that their lives are worth paying attention to, you know, and they have a greater sense of compassion for their own struggles, which I find, you know, many people are, well, as as you described your own experience, they're afraid to look. Um, But when you do look, especially in a, in a social environment, like the ones you create with your clients and students and that I strive to do one that says, yeah, we're here to explore and to become more, more useful servants of of those who are trying to help move forward to a better world. Uh, that you have a greater acceptance of yourself, mm-hmm. which, which I think is at the heart of what you're you're teaching people with your your wisdom, Doug. Um, we're unfortunately ne- at the end of our time together. Uh, it's, it always goes too fast. Um, before we we have to say farewell. I wonder if you could give us, just in you know, less than a minute, what the essence of your manifesto is, the back half of the blueprint. What's the essence of it?
0: We can all do better. And we need to own our journey. We need to approach it in a way that acknowledges the chaotic lives we lead. We can't begin to suggest, I've got to change my life in order to have more impact on the world. The reality is you've got to live your life. Mm. and uh, but you can do it you've got to approach it in an enlightened way and our book the blueprint can help your book total leadership can help it can be done it's not easy and it's not magic right uh, i could do it anybody can do it let me tell you and well, i'm still working on it but it it is a lifelong process but you got
1: what 51 more years to yeah. try to try to get there <laughs> Doug, if if you're uh talking to your 30 year old self what would you uh, what would you say to that young man that that you didn't know then that you know now
0: well I would challenge that young man to get more in touch with his essence and uh, uh, to to walk inside of his story and own it and not try and walk inside of someone else's story and feel like he's hustling for his worthiness every day mm. because Uh, there's a better way. And, uh, and it's, and, and you can start today.
1: As you think about the, the tumultuous, really in some ways terrifying world that we're navigating now, all of us, uh, last question, I promise 20 seconds, if you can, what's the one piece of advice you want to, you want to offer to listeners about how they, how they, how they can proceed. Right now,
0: I think I think you have to bring clear-eyed optimism to this work. We're we're all a glass is half empty right now, not good enough. Uh, No battle was ever won by a pessimist. Uh, We have to we have to be clear-eyed and very realistic. But we this our our culture has done some amazing things, and we can do amazing things still. It's up to us to to navigate through the tough times. But I believe it's something we can and will do. We, we, we must. So I, I challenge people to bring clear-eyed optimism to the table and optimism that's anchored in what they can do to impact in their little corner of the world in a way that will address the issues of the day.
1: I think it was Napoleon who said that leaders deal in hope. That's their currency. Uh, you have to give people a sense that there is a possibility of a better tomorrow. And your work is helping us to do that. Doug Conant, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Where can listeners find out more about your work, the book, and the great things you're doing?
0: Well, um, they can go to the website at conantleadership.com, or we're active on social media and Twitter at Doug Conant, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Uh, Pick your poison.
1: No, it's good stuff. And your blog just the other day, uh, your post about – Um, what we can be doing and should be doing to support, uh, you know, people who are uh, oppressed and have been and what, what what corporate America needs to do to wake up uh, is inspired. And I I commend that to our listeners. Um, Doug, thanks again. And thank you for listening to the show. Don't forget to tune in next week, 5 p.m. Eastern. If you have a question about something you heard on the show, you can just email me. I'm friedman at Wharton.upen.edu, or you can write to our station, business Radio at siriusxm.com. You can follow our show on Twitter at SXM Business. You can find me at Stu Friedman and edited versions of our shows are available at workandlifepodcast.com. Thanks, Patty Hall, for producing. Thanks, Dion Simpkins, for our... Sound engineering work, always amazing. I am Stu Friedman, and you have been listening to Work and Life on Business Radio, powered by
0: the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. Thanks for listening.